You may be seated. All right, we're going to continue on growth this morning. Everybody say growth. Had the Lord put in my heart, I believe, uh, that 2010, that's this year, is to be a year of growth, personal growth, spiritual growth, uh, also for the church, growth in many different ways. Growth also has to do with growing up. It has to do with maturity um, and then increasing in many different ways. But what we're focused on in this teaching is personal growth, spiritual growth. And I'm going to tell you that if, if you're going to get better, if you're going to do better, if things are going to change, it's going to be the result, honestly, bottom line, of spiritual growth in your life. Now, let me just give you a, just a thumbnail, quick review, because um, we didn't get to share this last week. Obviously, what Pastor Bernard shared was fits and goes right along with us. But when you're born again, which I recommend, and Jesus actually, he pushed it a little bit further, and he said, you must be born again. When you're born again, in uh, doctrinal terms, that's called regeneration. And that's where your spirit, because you know that you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. That's when your spirit is renewed, regenerated, comes alive again. And then once you cross that line, you're not just to be born again, you're now to grow. And so once you have been regenerated or saved, born again, now you start into a process called sanctification. And that is a process. It's not an immediate boom. There you are. Um, and those that teach that have no proof of that, either scripturally or experientially, to find anybody that, boom, there they are. Uh, it is an ongoing process. It's a progressive work between God and you that you and I are becoming more and more free from sin. That's a good thing. Come on, more and more free from sin. And that we're becoming more and more like Jesus. There's nobody I want to be more like than Jesus. And be becoming more and more free from sin and life-controlling things and life-altering things, getting more and more free from that and becoming more and more like Jesus, those things work together. Now, God has his part and you have your part. And it's what I call the grace-effort combo. There's grace on God's part. There's effort on our part. How many of you know, though, there's way more grace given than effort that we put out? And so God does this incredible work of grace, continual grace in our life, and then we put out effort. We do, we're to do our best. And the result of that is that, that we, will, we will grow. And that is the goal, that we grow. And not just grow, but that also we would be fruitful. And let me, let me go back on this a little bit, too, that this whole idea of grace and effort. Um, it amazes me sometimes that people will get, for example, one, one condition would be what I call prayer pride. You know, and it's the grace of God, and then we work with Him. And sometimes people pray and get an answer, and they go, you know why that happened? Because I prayed. It's like, give me a break. That's like somebody turned on the light switch and saying, you know why there's lights going right now? Because I turned them on. You know, and even that analogy fails in the, the, ex the extremes of God's grace in our effort. And so where would we be? Oh, I don't want to think about it without God's grace in your life. Amen? And so we're in this process. We're in it now. And it affects our whole person. It, it affects us spirit, soul, body. It affects everything, every arena of our life. And uh, consequently then, because it affects, growth affects you and I so much. Consequently then, it's going to affect everyone and everything that you're connected to. 
So this is a very, very important thing. And we, you and I, we need to grow. It's spiritual growth first. It's from the inside out. We prosper as our soul prospers. We succeed and things get better as they go better on the inside. We can fake it for a little while on the outside, but spend seven minutes with a person, you realize, oh. And so what has to happen is comes from the inside. Now, I want to give you the kind of the starting point, the first step to this. We've talked about this, but you've got to have these in place or the rest of this you're not even going to be able to apply. So the first thing is that you and I need to acknowledge that we need to grow. How many of you would say, I, yeah, I need to grow? And you've got to come to that place. You've got, you've got to look at this and realize, I have got, I've got to grow. There's so many things in life that we're like, yeah, I, I need to do that. The first thing you've got to do is, is recognize that I need to grow. Second thing is you need to decide that I want to grow. Everybody say, I want to. And this is wonderful. This sets you up now because you acknowledge I need to and you decide that I want to. But you know what? That gets you nowhere. This gets you nowhere because how many of you know you need to exercise? And how many of you watch, you know, a movie or something? I remember I was in like uh, 11th grade or something and Rocky came out. That was it. Next morning I drank a raw egg. You know, you get fired up. I want to do that. You know, I need to. I want to. You know, there's, there's so many things like this. I need to do better with my finances. I want to do better with my finances. I need to handle relationships better. I really want to. And there's a, a lot of things that we need to do and a lot of things we want to do, and it really gets us nowhere. You've got to at some point then move and step across the line, and that is this. You need to commit that I will cooperate with God. So everybody say, I need to grow. I want to grow. I will cooperate with God. And that's the thing that we've got to do is we've truly got to commit. We live in such an age of non-committal. You know, now we have all these prenuptial agreements, contractual marriage. I can just see this now almost 26, 27 years ago. If I'd gone to Alicia around engagement time, I said, baby, got some little paperwork I want you to look over here. <laughs> I think she would have got partway into it and said, don't call me, baby. <laughs> you know, we got so, so many things, you know. Uh, you can join the Army and you can get back out if you want. And there's so many things that we just don't know how to commit. I'm going to tell you something. You, Jesus committed. He stepped over the line, and he's just calling you to a commitment, and it's not this ugly thing. It's a wonderful thing, because as we grow, life is going to change. Life's going to get back to what life is supposed to be. And so I need to grow. I'm, I'm just going to say it for me. I need to grow. I need to. And I want to. And I will. I will cooperate. God, I commit to you. I will cooperate with you. And I challenge you, I challenge you that you get this real deal in your heart. Can I get an amen at anybody here this morning? Now, let me remind you what this growth is, this spiritual growth. I'm still reviewing. i got to get on to some other stuff here. Spiritual growth is really just two things. I think you can remember them, okay? Just two things. Number one, you've got to do what the Bible says to do. Do what the Bible says to do, which gives you one prerequisite you got to know what the Bible says to do. 
and you're doing good, you're here. That's a good one. And there's so many things. About it. So that's got to be a part of your life. If you're going to cooperate with God, you're going to have to crack the book. And you're going to have to get in there and not just read it, but let it speak to you. And you're going to have to have daily exposure to and intake of the Word of God. And you're going to have to find you a translation that, that works well for you. You're going to have to keep yourself regular, regular and steady in church. This should be the habit, the Bible says, of your life. This should be the unbroken pattern of your life. So much the more as you see the days approaching. Day approaching. And so, in all of this, the first part of spiritual growth is do what the Bible says to do. Here's the second part. And walk with God. Everybody say, walk with God. And that's an intimate relationship with God. Now, and we talked about this two weeks ago. God could, the door of your heart, He could vaporize that door. He could move through that door. He could tear that door off its hinges. Instead, He stands and He knocks. Because he wants you to open up that door. And say, come in, I need you. And he doesn't come in and move all your furniture and, you know, trash your house and get this out of here. What are you thinking? No, he said, I want to come in and dine. I want to come in and fellowship. I want to come in and get to know you and you to know me. And all that other stuff, that'll work out as time goes on. But if you're going to grow, spiritual growth, do what the Bible says to do. And, and, both. Walk with God. Both those things have to be going on. All right? Thank you, Pastor Ron. (laughs) Growth is not just self-improvement. Growth is not just self-improvement. Well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. You know, this is not New Year's resolutions. This is a process of cooperating with God to get your life as lined up with Him as, as possible. Because he doesn't want you to just live saved. He wants you to live fruitful. He doesn't want you just to be blessed. He wants you to be a blessing. Romans 15.2, I believe it is in the Message Bible, it says, Strength is for service, not for status. This is not, you know, spiritual bodybuilding just so somebody can look at you. It's... So that you have strength, so that you can move things and protect things and build things. It's, it's to have that in our lives. And so we've, we've got to grow. So uh, this growth is not just about self-improvement, although self will be improved. Also, Jesus is not just an additive. We don't just pour in a little Jesus. Try a little Jesus today. You know, just pour him in and kind of mix him in with the rest of your life, and life will get better. You'll get better mileage. You'll have a wider smile. You know, all those things. It's not, Jesus is not an additive. Jesus doesn't want to be an additive. Jesus is Lord. And that's where we've got to get. And Lordship, don't let it scare you. Don't let it be some high-sounding thing. It's just getting things back. That's what growth is. It's actually returning back to that place the way he designed it to be in the first place where he is our source for everything. Now, in Psalm 1, verse 1, just the first part of the verse, it says, Blessed is the man, let me paraphrase that for you, the man is blessed, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The Amplified Bible adds this, following their advice. Following their advice. So you and I, if we want to be blessed, how many of you want to be blessed? Because we're getting up a load, okay? So, Okay, good, there we go. 
All right. If you want to be blessed, one of the first steps that we're told is don't follow the counsel of the ungodly. Don't follow their advice. In Ephesians 2.2, 2, in, the, in the Message Bible, it says, You let the world, watch this carefully, you let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. That's incredible. This is the thing. You and I cannot get directions and information for life from darkness. A talk show host, lyrics of a song, a magazine, a movie, a person, Hollywood, whoever. I cannot, you cannot afford to get our information and direction for life from them. Now, we still need to tune in and get the weather. You do need to know what's going on in the world. You need, to be, you need to watch those things, but we don't fashion and form our life. We don't make life decisions based on what we saw in some talk show or some so-and-so or this group or that think tank or whatever. We cannot afford to do that. We've got to get our information from, from God. And the thing is, culture, our society, our media, the things they're trying to tell us that work for life, they keep changing up on us. I mean, just think about it. Butter is bad. Now butter's good. I've always thought butter was good. I had a friend years ago, he would sneak into his house and steal, as a kid, steal a whole stick of butter, unwrap it, roll it in sugar, run outside and eat that thing. Now that's a little much. Eggs are bad, eggs are good. And so it's even on those things, but there's all kinds of, it's okay to do this. Oh, don't ever do that. And they're telling us all these things all the time, and it keeps on changing. And so you and I are not going to be able to live by polls, by what our society, our culture, the changing value chart, changing worldview, all of that going on. Well, you can, we, can't, we can't live our lives that way. Let me read to you something out of Acts chapter 28. Let me set it up for you first. Paul has been arrested. It's all the plan of God, though. Now, if you get arrested, don't say, it's the plan of God. No. <laughs> Give me a break. Got to meet you there. He won't bail you out, but he'll be with you. And he will work, and he'll show you, and he'll restore and work and all that. But let me get back on track here. Paul is fulfilling the, the work of God, and he is now being transported to Rome for trial. And he's on a boat, because they didn't have planes in that part of the world. No, they didn't have planes. Then. So he's on his way, and a storm comes up, and Paul tells everybody, and he's the captive, and there's all this crew and all these extra people and everything. And he says, everybody just chill, because everybody's going to be fine. An angel of God, of whom I serve, stood beside me this night and said, everybody's going to make it. He said, so everybody just relax and we'll get the horrible, horrible, horrible storm. They crashed on the island of Malta. And the natives that were there were very welcoming and, and warm. And the Bible says it was cold and rainy. And it said they welcomed them and made them a big fire. And Paul, the captive, now goes and gathers some wood and some sticks and he comes back. And when he gets near the fire, the heat from the fire caused a viper that's in the wood 
to come out and attach itself onto his hand. Okay, now we pick up reading. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature. Everybody say, shake it off. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of things you're dangling around and going, look. <laughs> look. Shake it off. Okay, that's a whole other message. But he shook off the creature into the fire, and he suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their mind and said that he was a god. See, first of all, they started saying, this snake-bitten Paul is a criminal. He's a murderer. And then they watched him for a few moments, and they said, this venom-surviving Paul is a god. And you know, our culture is, is that way. They just change their mind all the time, and this is what we need to do. There are a whole lot of things we just need to shake off and keep going and know that God is in us. And stay tuned to his purpose. And after the world, after a while, the world, they'll change their tune. Amen. Now, we must move from maintenance mode to growth mode. The unfortunate thing is there's some people not even in the maintenance mode. But we've got to make our move from maintenance to growth. Maintenance to growth. Sounds like work, doesn't it? It is. Listen to me. It is. If you want a sleepy, sloppy, no-result Christianity, get the wrong address. And you got about six minutes before the others let out, so maybe you can get there. Hopefully we have none local. We're not sleepy. We're not sloppy. We're stepping across this line, and we're trusting God to show up and show out and show himself strong on our behalf. Amen. And so we cannot live in maintenance mode We've got to get over into growth mode. And one of the greatest enemies of growth, you ready for this, is complacency. Complacency. And I am going to rattle our cage. Over the next few weeks and months, the Lord has put some things in my heart. We are going to rattle our cage because we're not going to live in complacency. It will kill you. But complacency is when you're thinking that what you're doing is, it's okay, it's fine. This is just fine the way I am, this is okay. Or that you think that what you're doing doesn't matter at all. And that's called complacency. And what we've got to do is move from complacency, you ready? To urgency. Urgency. And that means I know what I need to do. Or if I don't know, I am going to find out and we have got to get on this. I, I am making my move because I've I've got to. And it starts now. I said it starts now. And so move out of that maintenance. Move out of that complacency over into urgency. Now, for the next few moments, let me share a couple things for you. And this rhymes, so I probably should have worked up a rap on it. But uh, I wore the wrong shoes anyway. But uh, for you to get this, for you to grow, for you to grow, some things must go. Okay. 
I didn't do that for first service. <laughs> if for you to grow, some things must go. And here's the thing. You already know some of those things. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father. Take note of this. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Here he talks about pruning. And in a lot of religious churches, pruning becomes a scary proposition. And we think that God is going to get out his chainsaw and cut you back to a nub. And it's kind of a scary thing. I don't want to be pruned. And so we try to do everything we can to avoid it when actually it's a wonderful process that God wants to do. And you need to realize, too, it's not going to be overkill. I said it's not going to be overkill. It's a vine. And branches, we don't need a chainsaw. We don't need an axe for this. We're going to find that this is very surgical. But for you and I to grow, there's some things that must go. Real quick, here's, here's what happens. First of all, he wants to cut away the dead. The dead things, the dead areas of your life, he wants to cut those things away. And, and we understand pruning from, you know, plants that we can see. We can kind of understand that process. That if there's dead, and we see a lot of that right now because of our extended frozen winter. Last week I picked up Pastor Bernard at the airport and I was apologizing that we were not that green. He said, are you kidding me? This is lush. <laughs> but you've got to cut back the dead. The second thing is this. He wants to uproot, uproot that which the Father did not plant. And there are things that we've allowed to be planted into our life, planted ourselves, or said, go ahead and plant it because our three friends we're having it planted in their life. And we need to get those things out of our life. There are things in our life that are not God's plan or planting. We need to get those out. And the third thing is to actually allow him to cut into the living. And when he cuts into the living, he cuts into the useless sprouts that are eating up your resources and taking up space and taking away from the whole process. He just wants to get in there and do that. And it's very surgical. And it gets in, it's kind of like, have you ever seen those guys trim the little bonsai trees and they got little tweezers and, you know, just, just working them? And they know what to cut and where to cut and how much to cut and what angle to cut. It's surgical. If you had a surgeon, wouldn't you want a surgeon to be surgical? Not just draw, you know, a big thing on your belly and oh, let's just take out all of that and it should be good. No, it's like, you know, find the thing, do that. And God's not just going to come into your life and just, you know, whoosh. you know, the only thing left is your feet walking around, you know. <laughs> because, listen, the vine dresser, the husbandman, the proprietor, there's different translations bring that, is the father. And the Father's not after destruction. The Father's after fruitfulness and improvement. So let him. Oh, I, I don't want pruning. Let me tell you the thing that's worse than pruning. You ready for this? Listen to this. For God to just leave you alone. Scary is right. 
I don't want him to leave me alone. He promised I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. But sometimes we can stiff arm and say, this area of my life got planted, no one planted by you, but I kind of like it. Leave it alone. You don't want God to leave you alone. I said, you don't want God to leave you alone. Amen. Now, I got to hurry. Y'all are pulling so good today. Plus, I'm kind of on backlog, you know. You and I are to be fruitful. And remember that new and great growth comes after pruning. And understand this. It's not everything at once. Don't feel like God's going to come in. And just, there's a triage that kind of happens. And he, allow him to work, allow him to work. You can't fix everything at once. Growth is a process here. You know, if you were the librarian and you noticed in the library we've got a couple of dusty uh, shelves, problem. And I noticed on this shelf over here we've got several books that are out of order according to the Dewey Decimal System. And then over in the reference section, the uh, fire sprinklers have, are on full blast over our most expensive books. Well, at that point, you don't say, need to finish the dusting. No, you better be turning off the water mains and doing whatever you've got to do. I mean, it's drop everything, let's run over there. Don't even write it down. <laughs> Fix sprinklers. No, get over there. And that's what we want God to do is to get into work. And he'll, he'll do a triage in our life, so to speak, so he can get us going. And these are the things. Listen, in order for you to grow... In order for me to grow, there are some things that must go. The dead things, the things not planted by our Father, and the things that are useless. Now, I'm going to share with you real quick, and I promise you they're quick. Four things are going to help us. Everybody say, for me to grow, there are some things that must go. The first thing in helping us to do this is we must identify Everybody say identify. We've got to locate. We've got to name. We've got to label these things. We've got to find out what they are. We've got to name it. We've got to call it out. We've got to write it down. We've got to take the time to look at what are the dead things, what are the things not planted by my Father God, and what are the useless things in my life. And you need to identify those. And I would encourage you to start, again, with the idea of triage. What is the top one? What is the top two? And I'd love to think that you're just going to go home now and you're going to do that on your own. I hope you will. But I want, I want to build into the service just a little bit, just about 30 seconds here. I want us to take about 30 seconds here to just think about your top one, two, or three things that I need to identify. This must go out of my life. So let's take about 30 seconds and let's, let's do that now. You can go ahead and cut it. We did it first service, played the whole song, and people couldn't concentrate because of music. <laughs> but I hope, I was hoping it would inspire you because you thought you were going to win cash and prizes. <laughs> you know. Alex? Uh, I, no. But this is what we need to do is we need to identify these things. Second thing is this. Notify. Everybody say Notify. You need to announce to these things. They have a name. I'm not talking about people. I'm not talking about your spouse. In order for me to grow, some things must go. <laughs> no. I've identified. No. 
But all these things in their life, it's an attitude, it's a habit, it's a this, it's a that. It's an activity, it's a priority, it's whatever. And you need to notify it. I mean, you need to start talking back a little bit. And announce to it, we're done. It. Over. No more. Jesus spoke to a fig tree that failed to bear fruit. He said, never again will you bear fruit. And you need to have that attitude. In my life, this thing, uh, no more. You're, you're not having it anymore in my life. Third thing is this. You've got to hate it. Everybody say, hate it. Oh, do it with a little attitude. Hate it. Hate there you go. That's a little better. Some of y'all are so stiff. You have to develop a holy hatred. I mean a holy hatred. Because you can identify it and you can notify it. Okay, that's what it is. Okay. Got to leave now. No, you've got to hate it. And the only way to get this holy hatred is, first of all, to see, try to see it the way God sees it. And God doesn't want it in your life because he sees what it does to you and how it hinders you and hurts you. Yeah, but I've been this way all my life. Or, you know, this is a generational thing in our family. We're all like this. Or it's because I'm Irish or I'm German or I'm or a weirdo, what, whatever it would be. You've got to get it out. And you've got to hate it. Come on. You just got to, the other thing is you've got to hate it because you've just, you've got to take the time and think, I'm tired of you stealing from me, hurting me, hurting my worth, hurting my relationships, making me feel this way. You've cost me too much. I mean, you got to, you got to get stirred up because listen to this, you got to hate it. God said he would deliver you from your enemies, not your pets. And sometimes we coddle this little thing that is absolutely destroying you from the inside out. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's, I, I've tried before to get free. I just so we just gonna, no. Hate it. Don't even care what it costs. Hate it. To rephrase a famous movie saying, you need to say this to it. You deplete me. Try that one. Lastly, you've got to starve it. Everybody say starve it. You've identified it. You've notified it. You hate it. Now, everybody just say it again. Hate it. I mean, you've got to hate it. And now you've got to starve it because of this principle. And this principle is so true. Get a hold of this. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. I'm going to say it again. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. And you get some kind of nappy bad attitude on the inside. Don't keep feeding it. Well, I've got a right to feel this way and this and that because they and this and them and me. And the more you feed that thing, the more that thing will grow and eventually choke the life and joy out of you. It's a habit. It's a crisis mechanism. It's a little excuse box that you keep pulling from. There's behaviors that we use to try to manipulate and all these kind of things. And we've, we've got to hate it, but we've got to starve it. Maybe it's something that pulls on you, distracts you. 
Maybe it's anger, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's, it's this, it's that, it's this. Guess what you can do? You can starve it. You can starve it. And if you starve it, it will, it will die. If you feed it, it'll grow. Let me read this to you. A man explained, I have two dogs living in me. A mean dog and a good dog. They're always fighting. The mean dog wants me to do bad things, and the good dog wants me to do good things. Do you know which dog wins? The one I feed. I learned this poem a few years ago. Two hearts beat within my breast. One is cursed. One is blessed. One I love. One I hate. The one I feed will dominate. And we've got to starve some things and feed some other things because what you feed grows and what you starve dies. And there's so many things we're trying to fight and you actually don't need to fight them so much as you just need to starve them. And then when they show up for the fight, they're weak. They're weak. They're feeble because you have been withholding the supply of your life flow into them. What you feed grows. What you starve dies. So identify, notify, hate it, starve it. For you to grow, some things must, they must go. If you're going to get better, if you're going to do better, don't, don't close up on me yet. Stay here, stay here. He's in motion, you're not. <laughs> things are going to get better. If you're going to do better, it's going to be because you're growing spiritually. And we've got to move from maintenance mode to growth. And we've got to move from complacency to urgency. Go ahead and say urgency. urgency. We're going to move to that. And understand this, victory and growth in your life, it only requires small ordered steps. Everybody's looking for the 70-yard pass. It's pretty good form, huh? <laughs> the half-court shot. The amazing big something. One man slays 10,000. Those things are rare. For you and I, how are we going to have victory? How are you and I going to have growth? How are you and I going to have progress? It's day by day, baby. It's way up here. It's one step at a time. It's small, ordered steps that snowball and give you great momentum, great growth, and great victory. And the more you cooperate with God, listen to me, the more you cooperate with God, He will order your steps. That verse has just been huge for me this week. Just been in my heart. I even tweeted it this week. In Psalm 18, verse 32. Get a hold of this with me. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. So I hear it in the message. Is not this the God who armed me, then aimed me in the right direction? It's those small ordered steps. I don't know which way to go. I'm going to tell you what. God will not only arm you, God will aim you. Listen, He will arm you and He will aim you. And those small ordered steps, knowing that God is with you. I'm going to grow. I need to grow. I want to grow. I will cooperate with God. You cooperate with Him. He'll say, son, step right here. And son, step, hold just a second, son. Let me take care of something for you. 
And then step two. And then things come along and want to do their little song and dance and get on the train with you. And you go, no, I'm not feeding you. There's nothing here. Yeah, but we've been together a long time. It's over, I told you. It's over. Let's just kiss and say goodbye. No, don't even kiss it. Amen? i got to stop right there before I break out into song. Did you get anything else out of this? All right. Thank you, Lord.